The strange but true story featured on this podcast contains details some people may find unsettling. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Chaya Samuel and things are about to get weird. Hello there my friends, a very warm welcome back to another episode of Things Are About To Get Weird. This is actually episode number 25, which felt like a little bit of a landmark number to me for some reason. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to say a huge thank you for being here and for all of your support in honour of this mini milestone. And also because last week's topic of the Beatrice Six case was so heavy and so true crime focused, I decided that today we'd switch things up. I felt it was time for us to get spooky, old school spooky if you will, because today I'm going to be telling you all about the tiny civil parish of Pluckley, which has the reputation for being the most haunted village in England. As I always like to say, slash have never said before this moment, but I do believe it, ghost stories are for life, not just for Halloween. There's something I like to mention in most of our episodes which do fall into the paranormal or supernatural realm, and that is whilst I personally am a believer in ghosts and spirits, I know that not everyone is and that is completely fine. I totally respect that a lot of people look at these kind of stories as being entertaining and absolutely nothing more, and I am completely cool with that. My beliefs are based largely on my personal experiences, and if you're interested in what those are, then I have a whole episode dedicated to my own paranormal encounters. It's episode number 10, so do feel free to go back and have a listen to that one if you're intrigued. Just one quick but important thing before we begin, there will be a couple of brief mentions of someone taking their own life in this episode, so as always, I wanted to give a warning about that ahead of time. But with all of that said, let's take a trip down to South East England to the small village of Pluckley. Located in the district of Ashford, which is in the county of Kent, Pluckley has a population of just over a thousand people. And much like the village in Lincolnshire that I spoke about in my Paranormal Experiences episode, where I lived for a couple of years and had some very strange moments, Pluckley is incredibly historic and is even mentioned in the 1086 Doomsday Book. It was also the main filming location for the early 90s TV show The Darling Buds of May, which starred Catherine Zeta-Jones, David Jason, Pam Ferris and Philip Franks. But its ancient heritage and small screen claim to fame aren't the only reasons the village has its place firmly secured on the map. In 1989, it was actually named the most haunted village in England, but not just by locals, by the Guinness Book of Records. Although in more recent years, this category in the book has unfortunately been discontinued, probably due to the fact that it would be very difficult to verify. Pluckley still holds this spooky honour in many people's eyes. And just how was the accolade earned, you may be asking? Well, it has a little something to do with the fact that the village is reportedly home to not one, not two, but 12 different ghosts or spirits, possibly more. Dozens of sightings of these ghosts have been reported over the years, so allow me to tell you more about the otherworldly encounters that helped Pluckley enter into the record books. 
First up, we have the ghostly apparition of a horse and carriage, which residents of the village have reported seeing on numerous occasions over the years. Strangely, this vision doesn't seem to appear in just one location. People claim to have spotted it in various parts of the village, although the Maltman's Hill area has the largest number of apparent sightings. And on occasion, it seems that the horse and carriage may have been heard before it was seen, as locals have often reported hearing the distinctive sound of hooves too. There are a couple of stories that are often attached to this particular apparition. The first one concerns a lady who was on her way home late one October night after babysitting her grandchild and who witnessed the horse and carriage travelling along the dark road. She reported that it looked almost real, almost solid, with light streaming from the carriage windows as it was pulled down the street. Secondly, in 1997, one local resident was driving along the road when they suddenly heard the clatter of hooves on a cobbled street. Despite the fact that the road surface was now tarmac and had been for many years, it was so loud and so sudden that they almost lost control of their vehicle. In a way, I think the noise would be just as unsettling as the vision, especially if it sounded like it was close by. And speaking of sounds, another frequently reported paranormal happening in the village has to do with the old brickworks and clay pit site. According to local legend, there had been a terrible accident at the works many years ago, when a worker had either fallen into the clay pit or had been crushed to death by a wall that collapsed. The details of that part of the story vary depending on which article you read, but one thing that doesn't change is what residents report hearing coming from the old brickworks. The agonised screams of a man have been heard emanating from the site on numerous occasions, and from what I've found when looking into the area, it looks like the land where the brickworks formerly sat is being sold to developers, so it remains to be seen what will be built there next, but hopefully this particular spirit finds some peace and doesn't stick around to find out. Next, we have a ghost who, it seems, has inspired the local authority in Pluckley to rename the area he haunts. Back in the 18th century, it's believed that a highwayman was killed on a road called Frith Corner, and his death was pretty brutal. After being accosted by a group of either fellow highwaymen or those charged with enforcing the law in the village, he was slain with a sword before being pinned to a large oak tree by said sword. In more recent times, visions of either the highwayman by the tree or of the fight that led to his death have been described by residents. Now, it's not clear whether the street name was changed as a result of the original horrible incident or the ghostly sightings that came afterwards, but it was amended to Fright Corner, which, as a certified spooky gal, I think is amazing. And really thinking about it, I'm sure it was renamed after the ghost started appearing. And this isn't the only road in the village named after something or someone connected to one of Pluckley's ghost stories. In a woodland area of the village, there's a spot called Dickie Buss's Lane in honour of Richard Dickie Buss, who was a local miller. And in actual fact, Dickie is tied to not one, but two of the most notable paranormal tales from the area. 
Firstly, there's the notion that Dickie himself haunts the ruined and abandoned windmill that he once operated. It's called the Pinnox, and he was its final owner, eventually closing it down back in 1930. But just nine years later, in 1939, there was a huge storm in Pluckley, and the disused windmill was actually struck by lightning, which caused a fire that completely destroyed it. In the years since, locals have reported seeing Dickie's ghost around the site where the intact windmill once stood, with each sighting taking place just before a thunderstorm. While some people think it's Dickie's way of warning residents about the incoming adverse weather, others think it's because his spirit is tormented by the destruction of his beloved windmill, or even by another traumatic event that happened in his life. Shortly after the end of World War I, a school teacher from the nearby village of Smarden is tragically thought to have taken his own life on Dickie Buss's lane. At first, he was just presumed missing, but several weeks after he was last seen, Dickie Buss himself actually came across the teacher's lifeless body. It must have been an absolutely horrendous experience, and I'm sure it's something that haunted him throughout his life. But the story doesn't end there. Various sources note that the ghost of a man with a rope around his neck continues to occupy the lane to this day. And the story remains eerily similar when we get to the case of the Pluckley ghost known as the Colonel. It's said that the spirit of a man believed to have held the military rank of Colonel has been sighted around the park wood area of the village. It was previously seen wandering amongst the trees, though much of this area has been cleared in recent times and the land is used for grazing animals. It's thought that the Colonel also took his own life. And although the area he passed away in now looks very different, reports state that his ghost still appears in the clearing from time to time. So, just to keep a bit of a running total, that's now six spirits that are said to inhabit an area which spans just over 4.8 square miles, or just over 12.5 square kilometres. And I still have many more to tell you about, the first of which is particularly interesting to me. As if you've listened to the episode about my own paranormal experiences, you'll know that I have personally had an encounter with a ghost of this nature. There's a historic church in Pluckley called St. Nicholas's, and as you may already expect if you're a believer in the supernatural, it is apparently home to several different ghosts who make appearances both in the church itself and the surrounding grounds. The one that I initially read about and that made me think of my own experience was the White Lady, who has been sighted both in the church and in the library of the home on her family's former estate, Surrenden Daring House. The house itself was actually completely destroyed in a fire back in 1952, but when it was still standing, it had been most recently used as a US embassy base between the First and Second World Wars. And there is a fascinating specific encounter linked to this ghost from an American-born man named Walter Winans, who held a Christmas Eve vigil within the embassy one December. He told the story of how he was sitting with his hunting rifle in the library, when out of nowhere the spirit of the white lady appeared right in front of him. In a frenzy, he shot his rifle at the figure, and the bullet passed straight through her. She then moved through one of the library walls, in the direction of the church, and the very shaken Walter was left to ponder what he had just witnessed. 
and if the white lady ghost was not enough for the area surrounding St Nicholas's church to contend with, there have also been reports of a red lady too. Now when it comes to this spirit, she is believed to be that of an identified person, Lady Dering, who was buried in the church's graveyard sometime in the 1100s. There are accounts that say that both the Red Lady and the White Lady were buried in a lead-lined coffin, with red roses scattered either on top of or within the casket. And it feels like that detail is sometimes interchangeable between the stories, so it's probably best to be taken with a pinch of salt. But the Red Lady in particular has been sighted drifting through the graveyard, crying out for her lost child, which is so sad. The official Pluckley website also states that a small white dog has often been seen in the same locations as the Red Lady too. But it's not clear whether that's a ghostly dog or one that's very much alive. I hope for the latter. And finally, for this particular location, we have the spirit known as the Monk. In 1863, a house called Rectory Cottage was built near the church, and some of those who spent time in the abode reported encountering the ghost of a monk who presumably had ties with the nearby religious establishment. However, the building has since been renamed Greystones, and since this happened, there have been no further sightings of the monk. Perhaps he approved of the name change and decided to leave the building in peace? Who knows, but it's very interesting. Speaking of haunted dwellings, there's another within Pluckley named Rose Court, which may well still be home to the mistress who lived there centuries ago. Known locally as the Lady of Rose Court, it's thought that this spirit met her tragic end after purposefully eating poisonous berries. By all accounts, this was due to her heartache over a love triangle she found herself involved with. And some sources even say that she haunts both the house and the gardens between the hours of 4pm and 5pm, which is when it's believed she may have perished. And although there are plenty of other Pluckley ghost stories that have gained notoriety in the years since the Guinness Book of Records published its article on the record-breaking 12, I'll mention just a couple more in this episode to round us up to that dozen. And both of these are to do with local pubs. I have a real thing about haunted pubs and inns, probably because there are so many historical ones in the UK that are still open and operating to this day. And as both a history geek and a paranormal enthusiast, they really do draw me in. The first of the numerous haunted Pluckley pubs is the Blacksmith's Arms, which claims to be home to a total of three different spirits. In fact, it was even previously named the Ghost's Arms due to its reputation. I tell you, if I saw a pub called the Ghost's Arms, I would be at the bar chatting to the staff about its history before you could say boo. But back to the Blacksmith's Arms. The three notable figures which have been spotted wandering through the pub are known as as the Tudor Maid, the Cavalier, who occupies one of the upstairs rooms, and the Coachman, who has been sighted by the fire in the public bar. I have this vision in my head of sitting in that pub on a cold winter's night and gazing across to the fire and seeing this sort of translucent figure just chilling there. That would be an experience and a half. And for our second pub example and final ghost tale, we take a visit to the former hunting lodge now known as the Daring Arms. Many visitors to the pub have experienced seeing the ghost of a woman wearing a bonnet. 
And some say that her appearance is so clear and so vivid that they initially mistook her for a fellow patron. Now, as I say, there are a number of additional Pluckley ghosts that you can read about. And if you're interested, I would definitely recommend looking up the articles I'll mention at the end of this episode and reading about the others too. But for now, in the spirit of balance, I did want to address some of the various sceptical viewpoints that are often voiced when the apparent hauntings in this little Kent village are brought up. And then we'll get to some of my own thoughts on the situation too. So, in a 2016 article from The Independent, there were several quotes from Pluckley's then Parish Council Vice Chairman, Martin Newman. The article had come about due to the upcoming premiere of TV show Celebrity Haunted Hotel Live, which was set to be filmed at a secret location in the village. This then led to a wider discussion about the ghost hunters who do visit the area. And Martin said that whilst it was mostly a good thing for the local hotels and businesses, he also said, quote, It's just a small minority who get a bit carried away. The same as most people go to enjoy a football match, but you always get the occasional nitwit. He also spoke about Halloween and how most years the residents not interested in the ghostly happenings in the village simply hunker down and also said, We remind the police that, hey, we are Pluckley and Halloween is coming. But that's not all. When talking about the village's reputation for being the most haunted in England, he dropped a bit of a bombshell, saying, It seems to have come from a very over-enthusiastic parish clerk who, in the 1930s, encouraged all these stories. There was no elaboration on this point, so I decided to do a little further digging, and I stumbled across a book entitled Kent Urban Legends, The Phantom Hitchhiker and Other Stories, by an author named Neil Arnold. In the book, Neil discusses Pluckley and its numerous ghostly happenings, which he notes are seemingly less frequent as time goes by. His view seems to be that many of the tales could be myths passed down through generations, and notes that some residents believe a lot of the stories were dreamed up by a fellow local, possibly the late actor Desmond Carrington. It seems that Desmond was interviewed by journalist Bill Evans for the TV Times in the late 1950s, and this is the first time that many of the hauntings were described in print. Some sources claim that Desmond later admitted making up the stories for the TV Times article, but I couldn't personally corroborate this from the research I did myself. Additionally, back in 2021, a reporter from Kent Live named Emily Jane Heap decided to visit Pluckley on a Friday the 13th, no less, to take a ghost walk and see whether she experienced anything otherworldly. After running through the location she visited and the things she learned about the different spirits supposedly haunting them, her final verdict was less than spooky. She concluded her article by saying, Despite it being Friday the 13th, I can't say I felt anything more than a cold shiver on my trip to Pluckley. I can see why the local businesses might want to capitalise on the spooky tales. But Pluckley is a beautiful village in its own right, and well worth visiting even if ghost hunting isn't your thing. Just as a little footnote though, when I scrolled to the very bottom of the article, there was an interesting comment from someone detailing a strange experience they had at Pluckley train station back in 1979. So do feel free to look up the piece and check that out. But I must say it was a little disappointing to read that this journalist hadn't picked up on any weird vibes on her visit to the village. 
There was quite a witty and light-hearted vibe to her piece though, so it was very enjoyable to read even though it didn't reach the conclusion that I hoped for. So perhaps she approached the brief from more of a debunking angle rather than a true ghost hunting angle? Who knows, that's purely me speculating. But nonetheless, it was interesting to see that the village is still making headlines and gaining coverage thanks to the reputation it was afforded by the Guinness Book of Records back in the 1980s. Now, understandably, those who are naturally sceptical of all things paranormal have jumped on these quotes to help prove that Pluckley's ghosts are perhaps the result of overzealous storytelling rather than true evidence of the supernatural. And I'll be the first to admit that it's entirely possible that at least some of the tales from the village have been exaggerated, changed or heavily embellished over time, especially as it seems that until more recent times, accounts of the hauntings were largely told through word of mouth rather than through writings or other more concrete forms of documentation. But as I continued to research, I suddenly remembered something that I discussed in another one of our episodes, and it got me wondering whether Pluckley could be an example of a thin place. If you listen to episode 8 about the Overton Bridge up in Scotland, you'll know what I'm talking about, but if not, here's a quick recap. Essentially, a thin place is an area where the distance between earth and heaven or another realm is drastically reduced and where divine and spiritual happenings can seem to take place a lot more frequently. It was an idea that I was really drawn to when it came to the Overton Bridge, and I think it's possible that Pluckley could be a thin place too. I may be biased, as I am of the belief that I lived in a very haunted village for a few years as a child myself, but I do believe that entire communities can have a bizarre link to the paranormal, and that perhaps some people are more prone to picking up on it than others. I think most of us have probably visited somewhere at some point and just felt a sensation that it's hard to put into words, but you just know that you're standing in a place with a link to the paranormal. It might be that feeling of somewhere giving you the creeps or the heebie-jeebies if you like. And maybe Pluckley is just one of those places for some people. Strangely enough, I actually went and visited the Overton Bridge late last year, which you may have seen photos of on our Instagram page if you follow us over there. And I actually didn't experience that sensation of dread that some people describe when they're there. It is possible that I was just too distracted by the history and analysing the construction of the bridge in line with some of the theories I discussed about it in the episode. However, my husband definitely got a weird feeling whilst we were on the bridge and he said it felt really grim. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I did just want to mention one other thing too. When I was standing on the bridge, I looked up at Overton House and found the window that several people have reported seeing the ghostly figure of Lady Overton in. I didn't see anything at the time, no matter how hard I tried, but I did take photos of the house as there were clouds passing by, because the reflections of them looked really cool in the windows. When we got back into the car and I looked through my photos though, I noticed that one I'd taken of that specific window had a really creepy looking cloud reflection in it and you guys were as weirded out by it as I was over on Instagram. The photos are still up over there if anyone wants to check them out. I would love to know your thoughts. Anyway, back to Pluckley. 
To this day, people hoping to catch a glimpse of the village's ghost still visit regularly. And I must say that I would love to go myself. In many ways, I think it's impossible to make a determination about whether you feel a place could have an otherworldly feel to it unless you go there and experience it for yourself. And if there's one thing I love, it's a good ghost walk. However, as I alluded to before, there have been a couple of incidents over the past decade or so that have been less than ideal. For example, in 2004, after Richard Hammond and James May filmed a Top Gear segment in The Screaming Wood, which I think must be the Parkwood area where the Colonel Ghost has been sighted, although don't quote me on that. There was a huge influx of visitors to the location. Martin Newman spoke about this in that independent article I mentioned, saying, It did generate a bit of an unwelcome response. Other people came wanting the same experience. There was damage within the woodland. Graffiti, trees broken, litter left. The Woodland Trust was not happy. So that's obviously not good at all, but hopefully there weren't any repeats of this after that celebrity haunted hotel show aired. But as for the final verdict on the village's status as the most haunted in England, I think the jury remains firmly out on whether this title is deserved. And as with most things concerning the paranormal, I doubt any kind of consensus will ever be reached on it. What I will say is that I've known many people in my life who have been complete sceptics until they've had a ghostly experience of their own. So if and when any of the Pluckley spirits do decide to show themselves again, I will be on the lookout for future articles that may detail these encounters. And perhaps one of these days I'll be posting my own photos of Greystones, Rose Court and Dickie Buses Lane and letting you know about my own experiences in the village too. Well, I'm sure you already know what I'm going to say. I would love to know your views on the Pluckley hauntings. Do you think the stories are more myths than facts? Are there any that you're particularly drawn to? Please do let me know. I really enjoy reading all of your thoughts and theories. And whilst we're on that note, if you have ever had a strange experience of your own, be it paranormal or just plain weird, and you'd like me to feature it in a future bonus episode, do get in touch. If you pop me an email to thingsgetweirdpodcast at gmail.com, I'll be sure to keep your notes safe in a folder I've set up there and read them out next time we're due a bonus episode. Your stories are always next level fascinating and I truly love to read your emails so I just wanted to throw that out there. Before I tell you about all of the other ways that you can get in touch too, it's time for one of my favourite parts of every episode. Our outro feature, Weird Media. I'm doing a complete 180 for this week's Weird Media recommendation in terms of how different it is from the topic of the main section of this episode, but I love to mix it up, so here we go. As you might remember from the episode I did on Gary Young and the Young Living MLM company, I have a real interest in multi-level marketing companies and the shady ways in which many of them are run. And if the general subject of MLM companies interests you too, or even if you're just remotely curious about it all, I would absolutely urge you to check out the documentary series Lula Rich. It's on Amazon Prime and it is absolutely mind-boggling. Just when you think it can't get wilder, it absolutely does. And I think it's not only incredibly informative and important, but it's very entertaining too. Strangely, I just googled it to check where it's available to watch because I'd forgotten exactly which platform it was. And I spotted that the reviews are pretty mixed. 
Then I remembered that a few weeks ago, I watched a YouTube video where the creator mentioned the same thing, and that a lot of the reviews were very clearly from people who are stuck deep into the MLM company LuLaRoe, which is the subject of the documentary, or another MLM at least. And they are not happy that either the company they're in or the business model they're part of is being exposed for the terrible practices it engages in. Lula Rich is so eye-opening and I don't want to give too much away but it truly has some bizarre twists. So I would massively recommend giving it a watch. And if you do check it out, do feel free to send me your thoughts as it's honestly one of my favourite topics to chat about. So it's shout out time for the sources that help me with my research for this episode. We have that article from The Independent by Adam Lusher, which was written in October 2016. Two great pieces from Kent Live, one by Jane Lavender and Will Ryder from May 2020, and that one I mentioned by Emily Jane Heap from August of 2021. There was the Kent Urban Legends book by Neil Arnold, and a piece on the website mysteriousbritain.co.uk, first published in 2008 and updated in December of 2018. The Pluckley Village website, which you can find at pluckley.net, was also very useful too. As I mentioned, there are lots of ways you can get in touch on social media. You can find us on Facebook, both through the main podcast page and also the private discussion group as well. Just search Things Are About To Get Weird on there and you can request to join the private group. On Instagram, our handle is at Things Get Weird Podcast and on Twitter, it's at About To Get Weird. This is also slightly different, but some of you may know that I make TikTok videos too and that they're largely focused on the music and bands that I love. Well, I've also decided that I'm going to start incorporating a little more strange but true story slash true crime related content to that page. So if you would like to check it out, my handle over there is just at Chayaz, C-H-Y-A-Z. A massive thank you for listening today and for your amazing support too. In the past couple of weeks, I've really noticed an increase in the number of ratings I've received on Spotify and honestly, I can't tell you how much it means to me. Any kind of rating or review or share or recommendation for the podcast helps more than you know and I appreciate every single one, so thank you again. Until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep it weird, but the good kind of weird. (laughs) 